Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live, kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. Dennis Simpson and my good friend, Mr. Jerry Wilson. Jerry and I go way long way back, and I was going to cut back to one particular piece. I took the Dale Carnegie sales course from Mr. Jerry Wilson in 88, 87, and we did not have two nickels to rub together for the company. Jerry worked us a swap and has introduced me to uh, the employer of my wife and changed my life. And Jerry and I were just reminiscing about how just friends we had introduced to each other had made big changes. And I remember, Jerry, it was 87 when we started and there was the huge stock market drop. Do you remember that? Yep, absolutely. And, and you were actually talking about, it sounded like, and I knew it was a veiled way that you said things, it sounded like some people are actually bragging about how much they had lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember one Saturday was with a friend that was in sales and marketing execs, and uh, he had gotten involved in a company, a local company that was really ramping up and going strong, and he we were having a beer on Saturday morning and after we'd done a project of something, I've forgotten now what it was for sales and marketing. And he says, uh, it's about lunchtime. We're having a beer. And he says, uh, I lost a million dollars yesterday. I looked at him and I thought, that's serious. <laughs> that, and that's back, that's back when a million dollars was real money. <laughs> yeah. <that's right. laughs> well, Bill, I, the reason I remember that, Jerry, is because when I well, I have Don Gooch on our show one time, who's the president of our best here in Arkansas, wonderful guy. And I said, what do you see? You know, what do you forecast? And he refused to give any answer. And I mm. thought, well, okay. And I've asked other people and they won't make any comment. So I'm going to make a comment to you that I remember you giving me in 1987 to 88. 
And we talked about how bad the recession was. And we, you know, I mean, Walmart, literally some of the Walmart stock dropped 40% one day, to which Sam was all too prone to say, it's only paper. Now, had they not had any paper after that, he would have had a problem, but it was only paper at that point. But I remember you telling me, you said, Dennis, people are still going to dinner. People are still going out to eat. Yeah, we're having a recession, but they're still living their lives, right? Yep, absolutely. And people buy what they really want, not not necessarily what they need. <laughs> buy what they want. Yeah, I'll go with that. Well, the reason I wanted to have Jerry on today, and Jerry has been a delight, wanted to have you on here literally for years. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was is it it's gray outside. It's the winter time of year. It, it may be, uh, we may be on the cusp of a winter business. We may have a recession. We may not. We, we What was it Paul Harvey used to say? Uh, five out of the last four recessions didn't come to fruition that they thought they would, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But what do you see? What what's the, what's the benefit in having a positive attitude? And what's the benefit of, of living your life that way? Because I, I know you, Jerry. I know how we do this. Is that music? Bothering you? I don't hear a thing. Okay, good. Uh, well, I think that's the heart of uh, success. Not being a Pollyanna, but looking for the bright side or the positive side or the opportunities. Uh, we have a tendency, it's human nature, we find what we're looking for. And by that, I mean to say that in a recession, we may have a recession. We've had others. It won't last for I'm not a financial guy, but I don't think it'll last forever. I think that in time, the stock market from last year is going to come back. I'm in hopes that it won't take forever, but I may be gone, but it'll come back. It's yeah. just. A, uh, but. People find we look we 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 do find we look for things to support what we already believe. Very few of us really, myself probably most uh, included, that we don't we we look for or we, to try to remember something we already know versus mm-hmm. what is possible here. So if we're saying, if you're saying, boy, it could be a recession, you can find one. You can find where the prices of eggs is going up. And, and I know all that's real, but you can focus on it till nothing else matters. Or you can say, we'll survive. We may eat one less egg, but we're, we're going to survive. Uh, so I think that it is critical to look at things from a positive mentality, because if we don't, we get sucked into the negative. Well, it's it's funny you should say that, Jerry, because the very first phrase you said was not to be Pollyanna. And, and, and most a lot of younger people may not even know what we're talking about here, but this glib, everything is fine, it's all okay, and we're never going to have a problem. You're not saying that at all. I know that. I think, and I think People think those are opposite or polar opposites of each other. They're antithetical. Well, if you're positive, then, you know, then, then, you know, the bad, bad side of being a, I'm sorry, the bad side of being positive is you're just a Pollyanna. You're just ignoring all the bad facts. 
there was an article in uh, the Wall Street Journal. I thought it was yesterday, or and I had looked at that issue again and didn't see it, uh, knowing we were going to be talking. So it may have been Monday, uh, but it was uh, this guy that was saying that he realized that he was negative and was working on trying to become more positive. So he gave some of the examples, and and examples that he gave was, uh, he said, you know, the glasses are half full or half empty kind of thing. But he said, uh, you know, instead of saying, boy, it's been a, uh, it's a really rough market, you might say, well, there are some glitches in the market, but it's still possible to win. And I remember uh, Jim Rohn used to always say, I can tell you the future into which everybody would just lean over. And he would say, for the last 6,000 history years of history that we were called call recorded history, it's opportunity mixed with difficulty. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's having a positive approach to uh, what's there. So it's not saying nothing's wrong. It's just not letting, allowing that to dominate it's finding a way to make it happen um you know what do you, what do you think happens i mean you know I'm, well, we're talking to an older demographic here in the village hot springs village inside out do you think that we get more pessimistic or more jaded as we get older jerry i think it's a serious caution it's easy to we, do is that what you're saying yes it is it is. I've got a uh, buddy that's a really good friend, very successful. Uh, he's 85. <clears throat> we were talking uh, three or four weeks ago. Uh, we were out with him and his wife, and we're talking, and, and it came up that Edwin and I had planned to go to, uh, we're going to India, uh, doing a cruise, uh, starting in M Mumbai. And he said, uh, wow, when are you going? And this was right before Christmas. I said, how long ago? Because they were going to Christmas for, uh, to Hawaii for Christmas. Uh, and I said, we're going, you know, and named it was the, towards the end of January, the 31st. And he said, uh, well, we'd like to do that. And I said, come go with us. Well, he did. They're turning around. They've done it on a dime. They're going with us. You think how rare that is in somebody that's 85. Yeah, yeah. And is. Most of, uh, said, well, that's really nice. Uh, so you have to search out people that uh, are It's what it's always been. You've got to search and people and be with people that are like the person you'd like to become. Oh, I love that story, Jerry. I love that story. I, I actually, it's it's funny you should say. I look back. My aunt's ninety seven, and uh, I, I look back and I think you know it's easy to take a hundred years and go okay, and in twenty twenty five she'll be a hundred and whatever, and and but to play that tape backwards and go, how much change has she seen? Oh, wow. It's just phenomenal. And, and I'll tell you, one of the articles that I read in the Wall Street Journal was talking about the, the one of the number one things tied to longevity of life was the ability to change. I believe that. I believe that. I think that's critical. And how we how we uh, approach it, 
I, I recall Edwina, my wife's, uh, we had, this is several years ago, we'd gone to Rogers her to, and her grandmother lived in Rogers. Grandmother uh, was, well, she was, had been a social worker on the Indian reservation. Really? Uh, was, you know, licensed social worker, uh, had, you know, and at that age, in her time, that was a pretty big deal. So we visited with her. She was taking care of a daughter that was uh, not mentally, wasn't, was mentally had some challenges in life yeah. that, that couldn't take care of herself. So she's got this 60-year-old daughter living with her, you know, that she's taking care of. She was in her 90s at the time. And after we'd been there for maybe 30 minutes or so, she says that when I come, let me show you something. So she goes into another room, takes Edwin, opens the hall closet and says, pulls out this coat, winter coat. She said, it's my, uh, oh, golly. I had the phrase and I've lost, it's, it's my investment coat. Because it was a very expensive coat. Yeah, because she was saying, I'm going to be le- using it for a lot of years. It's my investment coat. And I thought, boy, age 90 plus. <laughs> so she she was looking to the future. She was right. And my, my grandmother was 87. And I went to uh, went to dinner with her one night. We'd go go over and she'd cook some, you know, and and she was very country and very sweet. Her name was Momo. Everybody called everybody called her Momo Higgs. And uh, it was out near Sardis, uh, out on 88. And uh, I pulled up there one day and went inside and she said, I said, well, how was your name, Momo? And she said, well, I went to the nursing home to see them old people. And I said, well, what was that like? And she said, I walked in and said, Miss Kravitz said, Nellie, what her real name, Nellie, Nellie, did you remember to bring those housekeeping magazines? She said, Lord, didn't I feel lower than a chicken chasing dog? <laughs> so <clears throat> those stories stick with us, Jerry, right? Yes, they do. Tell me they, more. I, you know, I, I, one of the things I want to talk about, how do you realign your thinking? You say you stick with people that, that, or who you want to be. And I mean, truly, if somebody can pivot on a at dime at 85 and go, I get on a boat with you. See you next week. I was with a um, very dear friend that I've known for 30 years since I've been in, been in Arkansas. Um, we were eating lunch a couple of weeks ago and he said, uh, I, I was in bed for three weeks. And I said, were you really? He said, yeah. He said, I um, just couldn't break it. I just couldn't. And he said, finally, I, I said to myself, you got to get out of here and you got to quit. He said, I'd thrown a wonderful pity party for myself. <laughs> and he said, I decided I had to get out and go do stuff and not just sit here. Well, the reality is he's had a got a disease that his mother apparently had that his muscles and his eyelids start closing. And, and he's had to have it operated on his eyelids twice. And they've now said to him, there's nothing left that we can do about anything about. Uh, he's, in his, I'm going to guess, maybe 60, 65, I'm not sure. Yeah. Very successful in a business and in his personal life, a couple of businesses. 
but they're telling him that you're the only thing left is we can put a and he this is his language may not be true but he said we can put so a piece of fishing uh line in your eyelids and if you raise your eyebrows you can get open them that's the only way to open them and see so he's he's literally dying with his eyes it starts with his eyelids but then goes through your body like Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh my goodness, which is a, a a diabolical disease. Yeah. So that's what he was saying. That's why he was in bed. He'd he'd gotten for three weeks that he'd gotten so into a funk, and he said, "I just decided I had to get out of it. It's enough. It's over. I need to move forward." Uh, so I, I think it's. Uh, grit that somebody has the grit to take charge and then instead of you know too often we just lay there and feel like we're doomed and there's nothing we can do well they've told him there's nothing else he can do but that doesn't mean he can't live in the meantime didn't mean quit living. Didn't mean quit living. Oh, I got it. And I'm I'm just thinking, you know, um, it's funny. You, you say, well, how long is long enough? Well, is 21 days long enough? Well, it's 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 long enough until you say, okay, I've had it with this. I'm going to change my world. I'm a, As Mr. Roan would say, you're not a tree. You can move. That's right. <clears throat> let me go back, Jerry. We, we had talked also about goals. Uh, and I, I, I like the term. Uh, goals are like an anchor you can throw in front of you and then pull toward them to pull you into the future. That's a good analogy. So well, very I mean, good. You were talking about, about going to India. I mean, has that been a goal for you? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, but the ability to travel has been a major goal for me. And, uh, you know, we've been very, very fortunate to be able to to do that. But, we started, you know, especially when I look at it, is we had never traveled until that uh, when and I got married and and uh, traveled. So uh, prior to that, I'd never been out of the country. I'd never traveled. We, I was, uh, we well, we get off into another deal. We've been to ninety five different countries. Uh, you know, and, and we weren't trying to count. I, I brought it up because I, I found out there was a, a club called 100 club. And I said, what is it? And they said, it's for people that have been to a hundred countries. And I thought, oh, wow, that'd be pretty cool. I, and I started wondering, well, how many have we been to? So we counted, but wow. the goal was that we would get to go travel, that we would get to see the world that, uh, and uh, we have been very, very blessed, very fortunate in, in terms of doing that. But that resulted from just exactly what you said, the goal. That, yeah. uh, and I remember the first time just scared me to death. And then we, we uh, since have learned that that adrenaline is a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a motivator, too. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. So, yeah, I really think setting goals for ourselves is is still very important. I don't think there's, you know, a stopping point for that. 
Well, I want to dig a little deeper for just a minute. And Jerry, if you would, I'd, I'd love to just for good measure, I'd love to have you be a reoccurring guest if you would consider that, because I think you have so much to share. I really do. You're kind. Well, You're very, thank uh, you. you, you uh, we, we discussed earlier, and I, I, I'll be over, if you don't mind, I'll mention on camera. Jerry introduced me to a guy who was the employer that that I met Diane with and has changed my world for the better in every way. So uh, to say thank you is a little, little, uh, yeah, insufficient. Um, I, I wanted to say, though, opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I made the most of the opportunity, right? Is that right? I didn't blow it. That's right. Well, listen, uh, I recall, if I'm not mistaken, in 87, I think you alluded to a struggling pot and pan salesman at one point. Would you tell that story, Jerry? <laughs> well, I was. Uh, and, and, I'm sorry. And, and a little background. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I haven't given them any background on you at all. Okay. Well, I was, uh, grew up very in a little, very small town, 3,500 people in Southside, Virginia, and had gone to business school uh, in Richmond and was working at a car, a Chevy dealer, a car wash. The cars used to come in from the factory and they would have a coating all over them, like a, a protective coating that you had to use Varsol, which is like a kerosene, to uh, wipe them down and clean them to, before you could wash them. I mean, you know, so I was, uh, my buddy and I had gone to work for this Chevy dealer cleaning that Varsol off, off cars in the wash pit, but you're in a wash pit with kerosene, not kerosene, but like a kerosene, you know. Um, and uh, obviously that's not a place that you think you want to stay for the rest of your life, even from a big old country boy like me. That's, I knew that wasn't <laughs> final. I hoped it wasn't a final step. <laughs> so I paper and I see this ad for $50, $50 a week, uh, which at that time I was making a dollar and 15 cents an hour. So, uh, that gives you a feel for the economy, uh, that I thought they were looking for an accountant. So I go to this, uh, meeting, they, they advertised a meeting on uh, West Clay street in Richmond. And I go to this meeting one evening, about six 30 chairs lined up in a room, about 10 or 15, 12 people in the room. And this guy gets up and starts making a presentation. <clears throat> and I realized pretty quickly that it's not being an accountant. It, it's selling cookware, pots and pans. Uh, you'd sell, it, they really said you were selling China and they'd get uh, the single working girls. Uh, you'd, you would, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. It, it's selling China and cookware and crystal and starting a hope chest. Girls at that time would have a hope chest that they'd store in to, to the day they got married and then they'd have, you know, stuff so he's going through this and he what he says is you make 10 presentations a week and we'll pay you 50 dollars or if you we know statistically that you'll sell one out of every three presentations and you'd make 33 dollars when you made a sale and they statistically knew that if you'd make 10 presentations That'd be three times 
right? 333. And I thought, being very bright, boy, I think I'll take the commission. <laughs> well, uh, uh, three months later, I'd broken every record that the Stonegate China Crest Company had because I still hadn't sold anything. <laughs> and I can't tell you why I didn't stop or why I didn't quit or give up, but I just felt like I ought to be able to do this. And I will never forget riding back. It was in summer. It was like in August. The way you'd get uh, prospects is you'd go stand on the street in Richmond, downtown, close to the telephone company that had all the operators that were there, a lot of young girls, single girls, or the electric company, or the, you know, one of those. And you'd show them a picture of a silver coffee and tea service that they could win, that you'd enter them into this drawing to win this thing, you'd get their name, and then follow back up, make an appointment to go show them the cookware. It was a, it was a method of being able to prospect. I mean, no no fun, and, and very hard on someone that was as shy and withdrawn as I was. But I remember after about three, I was uh, with this young lady. I'm in her house, and her mama's there with her, and she sees this and just falls in love with it. And I stumbled through writing up the order and, and sold it. And I rode back down through Richmond. That's the that's best feeling I'd ever had in my life. It was euphoric. And thank goodness, following that, I didn't continue not to sell, but I got I broke the, the bar, if you will, to get it done the first time. But that that's what convinced me that what I wanted to do was sales, not be an accountant. Really? Well, Jerry, I, I, you brought up another point that I want to touch on real quick that I think is uh, contemporaneous of something that we need to tell uh, the youth today. Heck, we need to tell everybody. <clears throat> Self-esteem is a do-it-yourself project. I can't give you an injection. I can't talk you into it. I can't convince you you have self-esteem. We can't chant positive things and and uh, uh, and give everybody trophies enough. We didn't have to talk to you about self-esteem after you sold that product, did we? No, it was still a lot there. There was a long way to grow, but... Uh persistence pays off you know and and it builds self-esteem success builds self-confidence or self-esteem uh so getting well you know and and your audience doesn't but i spent my career with the dale carnegie franchise course what we did was put people whether it was in a sales class like you took them took, or whether it was in the leadership program, we put people in situations that had, they would have genuine successes and point out the successes to them. And that is what built self-confidence. Well, Jerry, if I can, uh, number one, when we come back around, I want to talk about time management, if you don't mind. Whoops. I think we lost you. There we go. We're back. 
Um, but I, I wanted to say I, I was going to tell them the story about uh, the uh, the 13th um, class that we had when I was in your class and you called later that night. Can I share that story? I don't remember it. You, oh, you oh you, you'll remember it now. I promise. <laughs> okay. I, I uh, There was 13 weeks in the Dale Carnegie course. I showed up. It started at 630. I, for some reason, thought it started at seven. The very first week I showed up at seven. And luckily, it wasn't the time management course. So uh, I was good there, you know. And uh, every week, you know, you, you guys would give out a little boutonniere, a little button, a little book, a, a pen, a, a little a little paperweight on your desk. And and they were really cool. I, I liked all those. And uh, about the first five or six weeks, I I didn't win a darn thing. And I, I kept thinking, now, I, I think I'm pretty good at this. You know, people, I'd give presentation, people would clap. And I thought, okay, I guess I'm pretty good. We get to week nine. We get to week 10. We get to week 11 and I'm like, I, I, I'd like one of those pins by now, by golly. I'd, you know, there's only 35 of us in here and they're giving away a half dozen or a dozen a week. I, you'd think statistically I'd win something, you know. And uh, I'll never forget Jim Von Tunglin. You wow. remember Jim? Great sure. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Jim held up a book and he said, This is a special award. No one else in the entire 13 weeks has won this award and this award goes to one person and one person alone that has achieved this, this, this result. And this goes to Dennis Simpson for perfect attendance. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) So as many times would be the case, we would go to Julie's after that and, and uh, maybe have dinner because we we would go right from work and right into this class, which by the way, the Dale Carnegie sales class, you will never have me say anything but fantastic things about. Uh, and, and for some reason, I skipped that night. I was tired, whatever. Drove home. Phone rings about 1030. And you'll have to pardon me, Jerry. Hey, Dennis, Jerry here. How you doing? I'm like, hey, I, I know this guy, right? I said, hey, Jerry, I, I'm doing good. You said, listen, we're putting together. Use now a good time. I'm like, yeah, OK, OK, OK. And you said, hey, listen, uh, you know, we're putting together a class and I wonder if you'd be an assistant teacher uh, and help me with the next class. And I was like, man, I would be honored, Jerry, that man, I'd be the, I would be thrilled. And I remembered, I, I said, but Jerry, there's one question I got to ask. I just, I just can't figure out. I said, everybody else was winning all these awards and prizes and, and I didn't win anything. And I'll never forget till the day I die, Jerry. I remember the phone got quiet and you said, Dennis, we sell self-confidence and you didn't need any. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 no amount of pins, books, or, or any other thing could have given me that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I realized I, I saw that. And, and so many times in, when we went back to do the sales course, and uh, I came back twice after that. Um, I remember that many people would say, wow, could you just come with me and sell my product for me? And I thought, I'm not doing anything you can't do. There's nothing magical about this. You just don't yeah. have the self-confidence to do this. It, it's no big deal. But, you know, yep. And it, it, you know, and part of the time, Jerry, at that time, I was actually a music minister in Bryant. And I remember we would have people come up and sing solos or specials and whatever. And I remember what I would tell them every time. And that is these people are pulling for you. They don't mm-hmm. want you to mess up. They want you to do good. And the same thing with the sales class, the same thing with most class, the same thing with most of your coworkers. 
They want you to do good. They're trying to inspire you to do better. Right, Jerry? You bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about building people because when you do, you build yourself. Would you say that one more time, Jerry Wilson? Yeah. Said it's all about building people because when you do, you build yourself. How many years have you been doing that, Jerry? One way or the other? 40. Long time. Got lucky. <laughs> Best things that happened was I got involved in the Carnegie organization. Changed, literally changed my life. Uh, <clears throat> and that's good. You know, it was a, it was a very found that had a great mentor and it was a, it was a great career for me. I, I needed it as bad as it needed. I don't know that it needed me, but <laughs> it, you know. Jerry, thank you so much for your time. I hope we can have you back on. I want to hear, I don't, I never heard how you got associated with the Jerry, with the Jerry Wilson, with the Dale Carnegie program. So I'd love to hear that story sometime. Okay. That'd be fun. Yeah. Jerry, I'd love it. Thanks for thank your time. You. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.